are officially in the month of April, and we have our first April edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Muhammad Ahmad here with you to kick off another week alongside Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. And we are fully, just about completely strictly draft mode from here on out for the rest of the month. And I think a good way to open up the week and more importantly open up the month is to really start honing in on positional players we like, why we like them, where the Bengals uh, can get some value out of certain players and where they might fit in the draft. And we'll be doing this positionally, especially based on the most pressing uh, position leads for the Bengals. And to start, I wanted to look at tight end. So what we're going to be doing is me, Andrew, and Mike in a random order. Um, One of them will go first, I would think. We're going to basically say a tight end that we think is a really good fit for the Bengals, what round uh, that player will be picked and why that's the case and what kind of compare and contrast our options. We'll have some honorable mentions of guys that aren't at the top of the list and we'll kind of round that up as we move forward here um, for the rest of the week. But who wants to go first, guys? Uh, I know both of you have uh, someone or some ones that you really uh, are high on right now. Who would you want to pick if you're the Bengals and in what round and why? I'll go first. Um, yeah, so, you know, we I have two guys kind of in mind, um, but, you know, one of them, uh, Michael Mayer uh, at tight end. Um, you know, I, I think you would need to take him at 28. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe you're in a situation where, you know, Darnell Washington goes and Kincaid goes, or maybe they're still on the board and you move back and take Mayer. But with their first pick, they're going to have to take Mayer, whether it's a 28 or whether you move back to like 32 or something like that. Um, you know, I, I like Mayer just in in the way that I think he's kind of what this offense needs. Uh, he's an inline tight end. He's a good blocker. Uh, he played really well against Clemson when, when Notre Dame played Clemson in November. Uh, had a really nice game against some, some NFL-ready defensive linemen. I mean, you kind of look at who was on that defensive line for Clemson and kind of the factory that they are up front. Um, so you're going to get some blocking ability, which you need. They didn't really have that, I don't think, in, in spades out of their tight end position last year. Um, you know, Michael Mayer, he's not the most athletically gifted in this class. Uh, you kind of look at some of his speed scores, some of his, some of his times that he posted at the Combine. Uh, they might kind of, you know, put a ceiling on where you think he's going to be. But, you know, I, I just kind of look at his stats. He was nothing but productive at, at Notre Dame, especially in the last two years. Uh, you know, if, if you know anything about Notre Dame, his quarterback play in 2022 was pretty atrocious. And they had pretty much no receivers. He was kind of the only receiving threat on that team consistently. And, uh, you know, he still posted 67 catches for 809 yards and uh, nine touchdowns. He's just He's a guy who gets open underneath. He's a really good red zone target. And I think when you kind of look at what this offense needs, you need somebody who can put their hand in the dirt and also get uh, get down the field, um, you know, kind of be a safety net for Joe Burrow. And I think that with T. Higgins, with Jamar Chase, you kind of don't really need anybody to stretch the field right now. You need an underneath blanket. And uh, I think that's what Mayer gives you. You know what he's going to give you. And uh, to me, I just think, if you can get some kind of positional stability going into 2023, kind of knowing what you're going to get from Mayer, that's a, that's a pretty big positive. So I, I really like Mayer in this class. All right, Mike, you're up to the plate. Who you got and win? Yeah, I mean, I, I get what Andrew's saying. I don't think 
I, I have a hard time believing Mayer's going to be there. Um, I, mm. you know, I, I, I don't. I think see him going to the top twenty-five uh, with Kincaid. Um, those two kind of being gone by the time the Bengals pick. I don't think it would be a bad pick if they take him if he's available at twenty-eight. But I also don't necessarily think with this type of deep tight end class um, that that you really have to do that in the first round or that's the way to get the best value uh, for the pick. I would try to be a little more flexible um, and take kind of the best player available at that spot, especially somebody that can um, uh, have an impact right off the bat. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that's that's the way they should go in the first round. Um, I had my mock draft, my latest mock draft po- posted earlier today. Uh, in the third round, I had uh, Michigan's Luke uh, Shoemaker uh, going um, to the Bengals. I think Ooh. that uh, would be a, a really good pick for them. I think the only reason that he is sort of um, outside that top tier um, is his lack of sort of production. Um, but he wasn't a full-time starter until a month into this his regular senior year, a redshirt junior year in 2021. Um, he was a fifth-year senior last fall. I like that he's a little bit older. I think that'll help him sort of fit into the NFL game and kind of learn what the coaches are doing um, from all sort of, um, you know, anything you read about him says he's a really good uh, inline player that could block um, right away um, and, and, you know, really uh, take on linebackers and, and do things that, that the Bengals like. Uh, but he also, I think, could be really developed into a top-end uh, pass-catching threat. He had 35 passes for 418 yards last year. Um, and his RAS score, uh, relative athletic score, which kind of measures him against uh, his athletic numbers from the combine and pro day against other players, and historically um, is sort of ridiculous. So he had a 9.86 out of 10. That ranks 16th out of uh, 1,091 tight ends measured from 1987 to this year. Um, he's got elite speed, elite agility, um, great explosion. I mean, you know, I, I think he'll be moving up boards, uh, but he would be a really good value pick at, in the third round. And I think sort of fit in everything uh, that, you know, the Bengals are looking for. Well, gosh, with the way you described him, I wonder if he'll even be taken like in the second round because like if he does get up higher, then who knows, maybe someone else will take him or, you know, uh, I forget which pick the Bengals have in the third round, but that's going to be an interesting one. I, I like that though. I, I really like how you talked about his age because I, I feel old saying this. I just realized he's born in the same year as me, 98. So yeah, he is pretty old, but that could be a really good thing. Like you said, um, I mean, gosh, six, six, you know, 250, 260, like, that's really good size, but I want to kind of touch on a point you made about Mayer not being available, and that is, I think, you know, Mike makes a point. Like, there's a really good possibility that Mayer's gone because, like, he's easily one of the best, if not the best, tight ends available. So I guess kind of what I want to ask you, Andrew, is let's say it's pick 28, Mayer's off the board, and maybe to make this a little bit harder, Kincaid is also off the board, like Mike said. Who do you take at that point? Like, if you're the Bengals, do you do you even take one in the first round? Or at that point, are you looking towards second, third, fourth round to grab somebody? Yeah, uh, I have a guy in in the fourth round. If if you're willing to hear another recruiting pitch, I would love to hear it. Pitch it too. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I know Mike was kind of talking about um, uh, about his guy kind of be. What, what did you say he was? Sixteenth out of out of one thousand ninety one. Yeah, that RES score, yes. Yeah, so um, the, there's a tight end this year, uh, Zach Kuntz. Uh, he's a tight end from Old Dominion. Uh, I actually think Mike, I don't know, did he play in that Virginia Tech game? I, I don't know. He might have been injured. 
Um, yeah, I think I covered him twice, to be honest. Okay, because so he played he he played at ODU, um, you know, but in terms of that RAS score, uh, he was first out of one thousand ninety one tight ends. Wow, um, he's okay. he's an elite elite uh, player in terms of his speed. We're in a four five five forty yard dash, um, you know, one point five seven forty yards spl- uh, ten yard split. Excuse me, uh, 40, 40 inch vertical jump. Like he he's he's a really really athletic player. Um, the the risk with with him is that he didn't play a lot in 2022. Uh, he only had 12 catches for 144 yards, and he only played in four games. Um, so that's not exactly the production you want to see from a player who is coming from a lower level of college football. If you're not going to be drafting, you know, a Darnell Washington, a Michael Mayer, a Dalton Kincaid, you you kind of want to see a player have have multiple years of production. Um, but in 2021, he had 73 catches for 692 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you know, he, he, he's proven that he can do it. And I just think that if you miss on the first crop of tight ends, you know, if you're not going to get someone who immediately is going to be an impact player for you in 2023, to me, this just kind of screams, hey, now it's time to uh, now it's time to, to kind of take a swing for the fence with a player who, you know, you think might become something really, really special. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, that's kind of I, I would kind of look to the fourth round for a guy like this. And, and that's kind of what the fourth round is made for guys that are, you know, maybe athletic who are a little bit raw or guys who are coming from smaller schools or guys who have been injured. Um, you know, th- there's a couple different boxes that you check there with Coons. So uh, I, I, I think if you draft him, he uh, he really can give you a special kind of upside in, in 2024 and beyond. I wouldn't count on much for 23, but man, if, if that turns out, that's going to be a really really smart pick. So that's kind of where I would look. I'm actually looking at uh, since you mentioned his numbers. Yeah, like he actually had the highest athleticism score uh, from NFL Next Gen Stats. So not just the RAS, but Next Gen Stats had him as the highest athletically ranked tight end. He ran a four five five forty, which is pretty. I mean, that's freakish. I mean, for someone who's six seven, you know, two fifty five, like that's great. Um, and I think who knows? Like maybe that's a guy that like he's a day three pick. Maybe he's like developed on. This is not just with the Bengals. Like anybody who takes him, maybe you put him on a practice squad, develop him for a little bit, because obviously there are some of the concerns where he's not as fluid on tape. But yeah, I was. Andrew, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because I was kind of torn on him. And part of why I didn't ultimately make him as my pick, which I'm about to say, was more so because of those concerns and the fluidity. But I also do think that I could be very wrong, and I hope I am because it looks like he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I think for me, so I had to kind of think about this one. I will say this. If Mayer was on the board, I would take him. But if not, where I would go in this case is and this is a guy I've been reading about a lot, and I'm pretty sold on him. Tucker Craft out of SDSU, not San Diego State, because obviously we're taping this before the national championship game for all you basketball fans out there. South Dakota State, just like Dallas Goddard, who uh, played there as well. And funny enough, I actually think in some ways he shows me shades of a guy like Dallas Goddard, who obviously had the year he had playing in a Super Bowl with the Eagles. You know, kind of like Michael Mayer, he's not super fast. I mean, he ran about the same 40-yard time, a 4.69. So you're not talking about a guy who's going to threaten the seams, but maybe he looks faster than he really is on tape. Um, I do think he's also very athletic. I mean, he's kind of in the top seven um, 
in terms of the next-gen stats scores that I looked at, really, if you look at some of his film, like I, I saw the other day, one thing that sticks out is he really absorbs contact. So you're talking about yards after catch, kind of like you got from Hayden Hurst, which, you know, I think one of the biggest things you're losing with him is like whether it's the hurdles or breaking tackles, um, it's not going to be elite, but it's going to be good enough for someone at his level. So I think if you kind of want to have some shades of Hayden Hurst, you can get that from a guy like him in that sense. Um you know, he's kind of a – the way he's been described, I think, by guys like Daniel Jeremiah is he's more of a combination tight end. So if you want a projectable skill set who can, you know, have really good pass catching, really good run blocking, that's ideal. Um, he seems like he'd be better in formations that involve 12 personnel. So, like, you know, in this case, two tight ends, which the Bengals didn't run a whole lot of last year because they had Hakeem Adeniji come off the bench for that. But – I'm sure there's going to be some place where they have that. But even then, like the body control, the catch toughness, I think it makes them more than a traditional tight end. So, you know, if you go third round and, you know, you address other needs in the first two rounds, like, you know, maybe you go edge rusher, maybe you go cornerback um, or offensive tackle, either side of the of the line. I think that's a great pick to have in the third round if you can get a guy like that. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Obviously, Mike, you have a third round tight end yourself what do you think of a guy like tucker craft where do you see him kind of fitting in that mold compared to some of the names that we mentioned terrible pick just awful. terrible ah <laughs> oh. uh, just just blew my hopes there man as well uh you know I, you're not picking developmental guys i think you need guys that could contribute with all three of your picks um uh, and, and waiting on a guy for two years three years i think is crazy at this point i mean you want a guy that can step in right away. He didn't sign a very good, uh, you know, tight end with a lot of. I mean, not not he's not bad, but he doesn't have a ton of upside, is what I'm saying. And so I think you're looking for a guy that could step in, possibly be that sort of uh, dynamite, you know, right away production, put you over that hump. And I think both of those uh, picks, you know, Mayer I think fits the bill certainly, um, but uh, those other two guys, uh, I mean, what are you what are you waiting for at this point? I mean, you need guys now, and you can't look for future talent and bargains and free agents other than one guy. Um, you know, I, I think that they, with their bargain hunting and free agency, they've got to be really aggressive at trying to find uh, players that can help them uh, on week one uh, against whoever they play and not look for um, guys that played, you know, weaker competition, um, guys that, you know, don't have that sort of background. I, I just think that that's not where this team is at. I mean, I think um, you're not trying to stash players right now. You're trying to find the guy uh, that can get you that trophy or at least get you a, a couple of wins on the way to that trophy or help you do that. Um, not just sit on the bench and, and hold the guy's water. Well, so, so I have a question. Oh, hold the water, so, man. So then ideally, so I just kind of with that in mind, like, are you saying that they shouldn't draft a tackle? Like, like, like ideally, like what would your first, like, three to four rounds be then if, if you're saying you are going to read my mock draft. I addressed this. this morning. I did not read your mock draft yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, really hurtful. No, I think, if, I think they should just keep Jonah Williams and roll. I, I don't right. think they okay. should bend um, and, and not worry about, I think you can worry about, you could try to find a prospect to tackle later in the draft that you could develop. Um, but I, I think you keep Jonah Williams and you address the other positional needs because the way you set up the roster you obviously have a whole running back. Obviously, have a whole tight end. So, I mean, there's two clear, immediate positional needs that you need players that can contribute in week one. Uh, for my draft this morning, I picked a defensive end because I I still think that that's the way to get um, a bump 
uh, to help that defense while not spending a ton of money because I think that defense uh, he took away a lot of pieces. Um, but I think uh, one way to smooth over some you know uh, issues in the secondary is to run uh, to rush the passer consistently, and that second team just didn't do that. So uh, finding a guy. Um, it's going to be tough because that 28 spot's kind of weird. Um, there's not a lot of great head rushers in that area, um, but that, that's kind of how I view it. So you're staying kind of like you talk about the bargain hunting aspect of free agency. So like you're saying you don't think Irv Smith is like a guy that you go to on day one like you did with Hayden Hurst last year. You, you think that you got to get somebody. Well, he'll be the. I mean, I think he'll be the starter. But I think you also need a rookie that could push him, but also possibly be better, that has a bigger upside. Like, I think you know what you're going to get at this point from him. Um, but, like, a guy that with sort of all the athletic talent in the world, you know, that's, you know, in top-tier tight end group that's sort of what, one of the best one in years, like well, any one of those top seven guys seems like a guy that um, has a higher ceiling than him um, and can contribute on uh, in week one. All right, well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, talk more about uh, those picks and what that means for the Bengals. Other uh, first and second round selections, kind of like Mike touched on, but we'll have that when we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast, and if you still don't know what Cincinnati Football Insider is, listen up. It's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the podcast and the reporters who cover the team. Here's how it works. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. And it's the inside scoop on what we're hearing. And we're giving you the inside word before it even hits social media. If you join Cincinnati Football Insider, you get to participate on the podcast, and you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time. But you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. So here's how you get on board. Text 513-940-4193 or go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a great time to join as we're covering the NFL draft, OTAs, mini camps, and much more to come later this year. So give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text again the number 513-940-4193. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Before we get back into our discussion, I want to remind you all, we have some news to share. If you missed last week, we have a newsletter. You can sign up now for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. You get the latest Bengals news, analysis, and opinion in your inbox every morning. The best part is it's free. You get to keep up with the team and all of our reporting. You can sign up right now at cleveland.com slash newsletters. Takes just a minute. You could do a lot of things in a minute. Instead of scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, just sign up right now, cleveland.com slash newsletters, and make sure you click on the Strictly Stripes Cincinnati Football Newsletter. All right, jumping back into our discussion about uh, the best tight ends that fit for the Bengals and where they fit in the draft. Um, so, Mike, I want to keep touching on a point. Like, you're, you have a really, really good point that I want to kind of look more into. So, you're talking about you want guys who win now, whether you draft them first round, second round, you know, whenever you need guys who are going to contribute to the play ASAP. So, obviously, I kind of had a third-round tight end. Tucker Craft out of San, not San Diego State, I'm sorry. The championship has been mixed up. South Dakota State, you have Luke Shoemaker out of Michigan. I mean, what do you think separates Shoemaker to where he is? You know, maybe not the Michael Mayer, not the Dalton Kincaid, but he's good enough that if you get him over other tight ends, you know, that third, fourth round tier, that he can start, whereas other guys you're not so sold on. 
what separated him from like the rest of that pack at that point? Well, I I don't think much separates him from the top. Like I think he could easily be in that top group. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about you know a Darnell Washington, a, a Luke Musgrave, or Sam Laporta, I think those guys are all sort of um, you know possibilities. Um, you know, in terms of being better than that other group, I think you know the guys that are below them are guys you guys mentioned. Um, you know, competition. Obviously, Big Ten schedule I think is going to be uh, much more imposing than South Dakota State or Old Dominion. Um, you know, having played, I think, in 40-plus career games, uh, you know, I think that his pedigree, obviously played in the playoff, uh, those are things that, you know, having had success, um, you know, I, I think are things that uh, the Bengals look at. So um, I, th- I think all those sort of, you know, you know, different check marks. Um, he's not the only guy. I mean, like I said, that, that top-tier group is really good. Like, I, I don't yeah, think you yeah. can go wrong with a Darnell Washington from Georgia. I'm just not sure. You know, some of those guys are in weird spots. Like, you know, if you picked Washington, I think he might be a little re- bit of a reach at 28, um, but he probably won't be available in the second round. Um, so um, it's going to be kind of a balance uh, to try to find, the, the you know, how these guys go off the board. And so that's why I think that guy like Mayer – um, in this class, uh, Kincaid seems to be like a consensus top 15, and Mayer seems to be kind of trending up upwards of you know 20 or higher. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to sort of slide back. No, that's, that's all a good point. And I like what you said about like weird spots because that's the thing. Like you have some guys who like might not be there at 28, but like might not be there early second round. Like you can call them, I guess, tweeners in terms of like where they're going to be drafted. Like spot wise like you know in the first second round and maybe even beyond that because like it's just such a deep class like you know you even got guys going up to like the sixth seventh round that are nowhere near what you're getting in the first round but they're still better than like you know tight ends you'd get in the sixth seventh round a year ago or two years ago or however long ago but i guess you know you guys mentioned your picks shoemaker you know andrew had michael mayer and coons out of old dominion i had tucker craft are there any other honorable mentions you guys have, like, for other tight ends? And as far as, like, those honorable mentions, like, do you have those guys in specific rounds where maybe it's not even top three rounds? It could be round four, round five. I mean, heck, round six. Like, any slept-on guys that you want to give honorable mention to? No, no one in particular. Um, you know, I think you can kind of plant your flag on some guys and say, you know, if if he's here, we'll consider him. You know, I think of a guy like Darnell Washington, like, I wouldn't consider him in the first round. I would consider him in the second round with that pick if he, if he kind of slides to to the end of the second round. So, you know, that would involve a scenario where, you know, Kincaid, Mayer, Musgrave, and maybe like Kraft and Laporta are gone or something like that. Like, I, I think that, you know, I kind of like I, I agree with Mike's point about, you know, you need to find players who are going to help you win now because this team is built to win now. Uh, I, I just think when you get to the later rounds, it's it's okay to take a chance on a guy, you know, if you think he's going to be or you think you can turn him into something. So, you know, I, Darnell Washington, he's kind of a little bit of both for me. You know, he did play at Georgia. He he did play behind Brock Bauer. So you're kind of in a unique situation where he wasn't a feature guy, but he doesn't have to be a feature guy in Cincinnati. So, you know, th- that's a guy that I think you could kind of blend, okay, we haven't seen as much as we would like to from this guy in terms of, you know, a number one tight end role, but uh, I think he's athletic enough and, and he's got some, uh, you know, he's got enough skills to where you can take a chance on a guy like that. But it'd be hard right now for, 
you know, you mentioned drafting a tight end late. They have a lot of positional needs they have to address. I mean, they probably sure. have to do a quarterback at some point um, late in the, the, the draft. They probably need to tackle late in the draft, uh, regardless of if you want, you know, want to draft, you know, clear replacement for Jonah Williams. You need uh, running back and tight end like we've talked about. Um, you know, probably some help in the secondary. And what right now they have two compensatory picks, and that could obviously still change, right? Uh, if there's there's guys in there, I believe so. Down. I so, believe so. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the, they 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 weren't very active outside of assigning uh, Orlando Brown Jr. So there are spots like um, unless they make some moves here in the next couple of weeks where they clearly you know need got need bodies. Uh, in the draft, and so drafting like multiple guys at one spot uh, feels like a, lug- a bit of a luxury, uh, like a tight end. Like I don't know if that's that you know they're capable of doing that with some of the needs they have as of right now. Yeah, I was gonna actually ask like if you thought you know how how much of a luxury or like a realistic possibility is it to draft two tight ends? I think right now, yeah, it is asking for much. But like, who knows? I mean, like you mentioned, quarterback. Maybe you re-sign Brandon Allen then maybe, like, if there's somebody just in the seventh round you want to bring, if you don't re-sign, like, Mitch Wilcox, like, maybe that's your Mitch Wilcox right there, and then you have Devin Asiasi for more depth. I could see that. Um, But who knows, maybe, like, I mean, this is crazy. We can talk more about this later, but, I mean, imagine you get to the seventh round and you think you have most of your needs addressed. You re-sign Brandon Allen. Maybe you draft a punter. Like, I don't know if Michael Turk is available or one of those top-tier punters we mentioned like around the combine like you could do that because we know for a fact that they're going to bring somebody in like they are going to bring competition for drew chrisman how they do it we don't know i could maybe like this is if everything is met at that point and they just want to have fun of like okay let's like a punter kind of like they took evan mcpherson in the fourth round you know two almost two years ago which is crazy but yeah I, i think it's a luxury now. It could change, but I mean, even then, I just think you have so many needs that, like, it. It's kind of like spoiled to kind of think about, oh, let's get a bunch of tight ends. Because I mean, like, worst, like worst case, you, you get someone in the first three, four rounds, and you just bring back Mitch Wilcox. You have your tight end room right there. Is it the sexiest? Probably not. At least, unless you get like a first round guy. But when you got Jamar Chase and T Higgins, I guess that eases some of the concern. But I just want to wrap up with. Uh, the pressing question of the day. We always have to have a pressing question at the very end. We're taping this uh, about two hours shy of the national championship game in Houston. Who are you guys picking? The Aztecs or the Huskies of UConn? Uh, UConn looks like a machine. Um, so they I'm going to really take do. UConn. I think my bank account would appreciate UConn winning. <laughs> uh, I'm in a bracket pool. So I'm in a bracket pool. I need UConn to win. And I need, if I want to become, if I want to win first, I need there. I need there to be 149 points because I'm tied with somebody else, and that's a tiebreaker. So go UConn, go scoring a lot of points. Uh, since this this will be a really informed pick since I've not watched a single minute of the tournament. Uh, what? Uh, what? A single minute? Like you haven't even looked at the screen for like 60 seconds? That's wild. Why? Why not? I'm actually blown by that. Like you just no, not like basketball? Out, not like the. What's the what's the reasoning there? Got 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 life, man. Don't have to watch bad basketball. What well, bad basketball? Yeah. This has okay. probably been the best tournament in like forever. All the upsets, the Cinderella madness, the fact that the final four was decided by a game-winning buzzer beater uh, for San Diego State. 
I mean, how often do you see that? We haven't seen that since, I guess it would have been the kid I from... Uh, I did not see it now. So, I mean, it could have... Might you well still haven't even it. seen the buzzer beater? No. Like, I, you, so, you don't go on... You haven't gone on Twitter and seen it? No. So, Mike is, Mike is not wrong when he says... Well, he's sort of wrong when he says bad basketball, but... College basketball is so very, very, very much worse than the NBA. It's of course, honestly bad. Um, sure, there are play. There are to every every time you watch a college game, you will see a little score line at the bottom. Team has not made field goal in four and a half minutes. Oh, team yeah, has not yeah. scored point in two and a half minutes. Like every every team, like and especially you, like you watch if you watch that San Diego State FAU game. College it was a game of runs. Late, college kids late in a basketball game, like they make a mess in their pants. Like they absolutely melt down. They have no idea what to do and they just kind of panic. And the team that has the least guys that panic in a close game wins. So Mike's not necessarily off base, but I, I mean, it's still very, very exciting. I mean, it's just like the the parody is the best part because, like, with the NBA, it's so predictable. Like the Warriors, the Warriors, the Cavs, and the Suns. Like, I mean, after a while, you get sick of seeing LeBron and Steph Curry I mean, in the finals. The, 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 the Suns haven't won an NBA title, right? Well, they were in the NBA finals. I'm saying they were in the NBA finals two years ago, and they were the top seed in the West last year. So, like, you can always count on certain teams to be certain contenders, like the Bucks, the Celtics. Celtics are just in it; they could go back into this year. But with college basketball. If you told me that Florida Atlantic, which most people have never even heard of, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn were going to be in the Final Four, I probably would have laughed and said UConn is the only one that would have made sense. Like, FAU, I would have laughed if you thought FAU was making, like, the second round. I I thought they were lucky to even get in the tournament for as good as they were. They almost lost their conference tournament. But, like, they were one buzzer beater away from a national championship game. Like, you don't get that in the NBA, man. It's just... Uh, okay, I'm gonna stop raging. I need to. I need to calm down. I don't watch the um, NBA either, though, so I don't understand. This is not a point that. So you just, oh, you just don't like basketball in general. Well, I just don't. I mean, it's not something. I mean, if you want to talk about succession, you want to talk about something really exciting, like that's that's where it's at. We could talk about that. Wait, about what? what that word. So, okay, so I have not seen one succession succession in my life. What's that? Yeah, and you it's a guys TV show on HBO. Out, I will watch you guys it. Are more okay. outside the zeitgeist than I am by not doing that. Watching. Yeah, I really, yeah, we are. Pretty lame. Succession now, is like it, where it's at. Okay, so when I watch it, are we gonna do like I think the Browns podcast did this? Are we gonna do like a com, like a Succession podcast where we like compare Bengals players to Succession characters? Like, is that what we're gonna Not do? Not if next? you want to keep covering the team because there's no flattery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe not Succession, but maybe something. Speaking of March Madness, I have a cool little podcast idea I have coming up built off of that. I don't want to give it away, but I want to wait for uh, the tournament to wrap up tonight uh, once it's all said and done. And then I'll tell you what this is because we're going to have some fun. This is the off season. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I want San Diego State to win. I'm not a big UConn guy. I loathe them because they cost Kentucky two national titles when I was in high school. And I'm still bitter about the championship Kentucky should have won in 2014. So I like Dan Hurley. I think he's a really good coach. I honestly think they're worthy of being a blue blood, but I love parody. I think San Diego State's on a killer run. They've won their last two games by a single point. Two points combined. Unreal. Buzzer beater. Give me the madness. Give me a Cinderella. I want San Diego State.
Well, stay with us because later this week we're going to continue um, looking at other positions of need outside of tight end, where the Bengals should attack it in the draft, who they should attack it with and why, and much more fun and goodness on here. But once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Enjoy some basketball. <laughs> 